Today we will be speaking with Roberto Bedoya. Roberto is the Cultural Affairs Manager for the City of Oakland in California. He developed the city's culture plan titled Belonging in Oakland. Throughout his career, Roberto has consistently advocated for inclusion and belonging in the cultural sector. In our conversation, Roberto will tell us how he's utilized belonging in his city planning work. Roberto, thank you so much for joining this conversation. You've been leading an effort in Oakland to ensure that the belonging framework is at the forefront of cultural and civic work. To begin, can you explain what belonging means to you in this context? Belonging is such a a sticky word. Um, uh, Let me tell you a couple of different stories. Um, One, when I came to the city of Oakland and developed the culture plan, belonging in Oakland, I had been working in the field of creative placemaking and written an essay about a decade ago called Creative Placemaking, the Politics of Belonging and Disbelonging, very mindful of sort of this developing field around creative placemaking and and not and also being um, very um, aware that the field was being defined by a lot of urbanists who were really preoccupied with buildings and structures and how they occupy a city and not the inhabitants of a locale. And I am pretty much about folks. Um, the other part of my story is mom, it's a mom story. Mom lived to 90 years old. She had a good life. She was living towards the end of the, her life, about five, five years ago she died. She was living with my sister here in the East Bay. And I was visiting, uh, she was bedridden. So I walked away from her room to, you know, after my visit and she called me back and she goes, Mijito, 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 I know why you're so social. I kind of said, okie dokie, why, you know? She said, well, I was pregnant with you when I was trying to get all the Mexican-Americans in my little barrio of Dakota here in the East Bay uh, to vote. So you've been to 100 doors before you were even born. So in some sense, belonging started before I was even born. You have to... I came from a family that asserted to me and my siblings that you had a search of belonging. You had a say, I'm a citizen, because you were constantly sort of encountering the politics of disbelonging, um, whether through gentrification or you're poor or you're brown. So belonging has been um, kind of a North Star for me throughout my whole life. You briefly mentioned that in your work, you've come in contact with urban planners who are more focused on space and not the people. Can you talk about why that's so important and how you've incorporated people and people's experiences into the way that you are pursuing um, city planning? I know a lot of urban planners that think about people a lot. And so I'm not damning the architect and the developer but I am very mindful that in kind of the, the white spatial imaginary, uh, it's buildings that have agency and not the people. So creative placemaking, which is kind of the, the road I travel down, has been very mindful of that. And further to this point, um, how a person of color or people of color are seen inside that 
that that frame at the beginning of the de development of the field of uh, creative placemaking is that it, creative placement creative placemaking failed to articulate whether it was a property rights movement or a human rights movement. And creative placemaking as a property rights privileges development and buildings in the built environment. And does, kind of that's kind of because that's cities are built on property taxes. So as a person of color and the America's racist legacy of seeing the bodies of brown people or black people or yellow people as property that you don't have rights. So I, I saw this complicity being unfolded that the discourse around creative placemaking was all around property rights. And of course, when you look at the pushback around this field and the language of gentrification, you also are hearing the story around uh, a BIPOC folks saying, I'm a renter and I have no rights and now you're moving, out of, moving me out of my house. So in some ways, that's a politic. So I love belonging, but I'm also very mindful of disbelonging. What are the policies that are implemented that say you don't belong? So when I talk about belonging also, I'm very mindful of not the psychology, but the sociology. I understand that they're interrelated. I don't feel like I belong. But maybe you don't feel like you belong because some system created that feeling and not your brother or your sister or your neighbor. No, that's a really good framing. And, and I think that it's important for us to keep in mind because I think it is really common to feel that you blame other people or other groups of people for your feeling of not belonging and not acknowledge, like you mentioned, these very um, explicitly developed systems that have othered and have uh, made some communities feel like they don't belong. Can you talk a little bit more about the breaking points that uh, you've seen that you are trying to address? Like you talked a little bit about the way that you're thinking about it, but what is motivating you to continue to do this work? What are you seeing in the community of Oakland that needs to be addressed? Oakland is wonderfully complex and feisty. And it its diversity is phenomenal. Uh, but we also deal with an under-resourced cultural sector. Uh, and so I'm constantly trying to figure out what I, how I contribute to a, a sense of civic well-being with the resources that I deploy on behalf of the city. And um, whether it's, you know, all the tensions that are in civic life, they don't go away uh, just because you have some a little bit of coin. You have to sort of invest in, from, from my position, uh, kind of strengthening the social fabric of a city, the social cohesion of a city. And so I'm, I do that via my, the Cultural Affairs Division and the resources that I have. But in particular, when I created the cultural plan called <clears throat> Belonging in, or in, in Oakland, I also was really intentional about creating uh, a North Star for my city. 
I could have done a cultural plan that would have been a what they call a SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threat, and look at all the things that are working and not working, which I did a little bit. But I also wanted to put something out there as a vision. And why not put belonging out there? Um, and my city and my mayor, my elected officials, all totally embrace that. So I hear at my elected officials talk about belonging when they're speaking on a, at, at public gatherings on occasion. So it, it, it's been good to put this notion out there in the public sphere and have people then sort of sit with it and figure out what does that look like? And for me, I was, I'll continue down this path a little bit further. I was talking to some artists and some who's about belonging. And, and one artist says, to me, belonging is about feeling safe. It's great. And, and another person said to me, uh, belonging is about justice. The other person said to me, and the other side of justice is belonging. And the other side of safety is belonging. So you move, that's, that's kind of the North Star. And you kind of back, well, what do you need to get belonging? You need to feel safe. You need to feel that it's a just society. And then that becomes kind of a little more how you operationalize it. So it's twofold. We created a kind of North Star, a goal, a vision, and now I have to operationalize. And it's not always easy. What is sort of apparent is that arts-based social engagement projects build belonging. That's an outcome. They build social networks. Um, and so in some ways at this particular moment in Oakland where the, the cries for a just city and the cries for an examination of how uh, the police department works, how our housing crisis, the homelessness situation, all these difficulties, uh, we're trying to address them through uh, holding to this value of creating belonging. When I read your report, I liked the guiding vision that you outlined. Equity is the driving force. Culture is the frame. Belonging is the goal. Right. In your plan, you outlined that you want people of Oakland to not only feel a sense of belonging in the city, but also to each other. Can you talk a little bit more about what, what you mean by that? It goes back to... Um, what I was talking about, feeling that you're connected, that you know your neighbor. So I am, one of the outcomes of um, the plan was to create a new initiative called Neighborhood Voice. We're gonna set up a mechanism which we can support artists that choose to work with uh, NGOs. So I'm an artist and I work with the senior center. I'm an artist and I work with an after-school program to build those social networks, or I'm a chamber of commerce that produces a neighborhood festival. Why can't you come to the cultural affairs department and, and ask for resources to do that? So expanding that frame of how previously my cultural affairs division has been supporting artist projects to sort of say, we want to support artist projects that are about neighborhood vibrancy and neighborhood belonging. 
and it's up to the neighborhood folks who apply to me to articulate and present what they want to do and then it gets funding or it didn't. I'm happy to say that as a result of the cultural plan, uh, I formed a partnership with the East Bay Community Foundation and the Akhenati Foundation with support from the Surna Foundation in New York to support an initiative called uh, the Just City Fund. Very intentionally trying to look at uh, BIPOC artists and what they need. Yeah, it, it sounds like uh, one of the ways that you created a city of belonging is through community grants and that fund community-led art and neighborhood empowerment projects. Can you share a project that you're proud of that came out of this grant making? An artist is working with young women that are caught up in sex trafficking, sex trafficking. And how do we create a sense of belonging and worthiness? What do you do in terms of healing? What do you do in terms of uh, acknowledging that voices? So this group of artists, women artists, working with young sex trafficking girls are involved in a bunch of sort of ritual performances and storytelling as a form of um, dealing with this activity. It's also about creating a safe space for women. You know, and I know that the arts can really address some significant hurts in our society. How is culture impacting belonging in Oakland? Or how are you using culture to promote belonging? I got a platform. I've got a grants program. I got a metaphor that people use. Um, so elected officials and people, any kind of civic leader, eventually talks about belonging. So that's really good that it, it, it has this, um, that is part of the civic discourse about what you want in your city. Now, what does that look like? I have to um, get hyper-local. It looks different in you know, East Oakland and in Fruitville and West Oakland and North Oakland. In any part of my city, it belonging could look like a pocket park, could look like a street festival, it could look like a, uh, a neighborhood oral history project, it could look like uh, anti-violence police work, it could look, could look like dealing with sex trafficking, it could look like at uh, land heritage practices, I can do, and I keep thinking about like Peralta Hacienda, which is in Fruitvale, was, is working with undocumented uh, workers who are doing a, did a theater piece around what it means to be undocumented and live in Oakland, giving voice to kind of their own sense of place and their own sense of agency and how they feel they belong. Um, okay, that's one, that's one story. And sometimes maybe it's just giving voice and validating it. That's a, a, a easy sort of thing. And then how do we learn to respect and listen to these voices? The cultural plan kind of articulated what the community wanted. 
we did an extensive sort of outreach and heard, so what does belonging look like in the Department of Transportation? What does belonging look like in the housing department? What does belonging look like in economic work towards development? And I said, well, I don't know. But what I can do and what I was able to do with some monies I had a while back is to have an artist in residence. But they weren't an artist in residence. They were a cultural strategist in residence. So, example, for example, in the Department of Transportation, the artist was really thinking about how, if you're, how do you move from one neighborhood to another neighborhood if you're taking the bus? So, like a poetic sort of musing about um, movement and transportation. How do we create belonging through transportation? Uh, my cultural strategist in government program had an artist in residence in the Department of Race and Equity. So how do you deal with anti-black biases that may operate in the school districts uh, and you're trying to address that? That's what the Department of Race and Equity took on vis-a-vis reimagining the town hall. Uh, so that the town hall, it's not just people sort of letting off steam and maybe leading to an action agenda, but reimagine it to a story circle type of form. You hear the story, you move, you, you respond to the story, you try to create empathy and understanding. The first step is for me to find out which of my city departments are interested in having a, a strategist, get that, get a sense of what they're looking for. But again, I foreground when I send them an invitation, uh, belonging. Belonging is our, we have a cultural plan about belonging. You're all engaged. Let's, let's try to operationalize that in the Department of Transportation. It's not, I'm not like a transportation walk. Uh, so I don't know what that means, but there are people, you know, and I mean, you know, just the pivot over COVID uh, and the development of flex streets and uh, slow streets, people are reimagining the sidewalk as a new kind of public space. Let's have artists and cultural strategists be part of that reimagining. So it can be more site of belonging. It's really amazing that you've started this movement where you've introduced this concept of belonging and developed this plan as you described it as your um, ultimate goal, that what Oakland can be. And it seems like you're still in the process of working with different departments to um, get a cultural strategist and an artist to reimagine how belonging can look like in Oakland in each of these departments. I. I'm curious to uh, follow up about, you know, in, in your report, you did acknowledge how gathering spaces such as churches, barbershops, playgrounds, carry people's heritage, memories, and shared feelings. And these places contribute to place identity and, and belonging. Doing it such a great justification to, to why belonging needs to be incorporated in city planning and, and um, rethinking how the city should operate. Can you um, share how uh, these, this belonging framework has shifted the way that city leaders approach housing, transportation, and urban planning issues? Councilmember Taylor, which is in East Oakland, 
has been working with the Black Cultural Zone. It's a fun, very good group who created a, a artisan, African-American artisan market. Now, all of a sudden, that becomes a gathering space for uh, Black cultural expression in, a, in East Oakland, which is primarily African-American. So all of a sudden, belonging is embedded in, in that development of that site. We've talked a little bit about um, have you incorporated belonging through your grant making and, and through culture strategies, rethinking the way that different spaces function. What are you moving towards? What is your ideal? Okay, let's first thing. There's no end game for belonging. It's always unfolding. It's an emergent field. We people will constantly re uh, reassert what they want. It's part of life. So uh, I don't. So there's no future for this work. It's always ongoing. It's always unfolding. It's always emerging. So I'm not going to be. This is a bit of a problem for me. Because the technocrats uh, want to have a plan and have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And culture planning, and in some cultural planning, it's a really weird terrain to operate. Because planning is about fixing through procedures and rules and regulations, and culture is fluid. So I need I need to work in these two energies that I'm not gonna, so I keep a very porous frame alive. That's what belonging, the belonging, the neighborhood voice, belonging strategy is. Because today it could be about a just city and tomorrow it may be a real estate. I don't know, but you need to be, uh, as a civic agency, need to be, um, willing to adapt. Now, let me back up a little bit further. Uh, government itself is risk averse. Doesn't take risks. Not the business, not in their job. It's not part of the DNA government. I imagine that there might be people who will be listening to this podcast who may be in a similar role as you in a city or in an organization where they have power and ability to incorporate belonging the belonging framework in their work. I am wondering if you can give a brief summary of how can how, how can someone get started on this? Well, you have to be 70 years old, first of all, <laughs> and a deep personal connection, but it's also being very, very, very intentionally uh, looking at the politics of disbelonging. I'm a brown man, I'm a queer man, I'm a, you know, I, you know, people give me attitude because I'm the man because I work in government. You know, so it's just like understanding all those factors that come out in terms of disbelonging so that I can address those structural uh, situations that created that feeling of disbelonging. So maybe I can have a little more belonging. I mean, you know, being in, being in elementary school and being even though my school was integrated, you know, the, the brown kids were in one classroom and the white kids were in the other one. We were segregated by classrooms. So, you know, I figured out how I can get into that white space.
And I got in and then I said, oh man, this, they are like, send me back to my peeps. <laughs> it, it's tough having to navigate so many spaces. And so then I guess now that I think about it, it sounds like, you know, you do have to really acknowledge how many systems of are creating this feeling of disbelonging and really wanting to make a change, whether it's for yourself or for your neighbors. Um, and I thank you so much for, you know, outlining the work that you've done in Oakland by initiating this cultural plan that incorporates belonging and you've done it through your grant making and you've done it by including cultural strategists in um, departments such as transportation to really rethink about how the city of Oakland is um, functioning and, and how it's, you know, the ultimate goal of supporting belonging. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners before we close out? I feel that the cultural affairs division here in the city and government is given that agency to put forward a civic narrative. So the civic narrative of belonging needs to, I'm happy to have my elected officials and my department heads kind of listen to me and figure out, okay, that's cultural affairs department. They got a belonging strategy. What's ours? You know, that. So anyway, um, I think, yes, I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I have my belonging platform and my belonging strategies, and I feel profoundly lucky that I have a mayor and council that really supports my work. That was Roberto Bedoya. Thank you so much for your time. And to our listeners, please check out our other podcasts where we discuss belonging and bridging in more detail. For more resources and curriculums on belonging and bridging, please go to belonging.berkeley.edu slash B for B. That is slash letter B, number four, letter B. Until next time.